Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. So we have Desiree with us today. Hey. An everyday mom. So tell everybody about who you are, what you got going. Oh my God. So as mentioned, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. This is so, so, so exciting. Like I'm excited. So anyway, I'm Des Desiree. <laughs> I am the curator of Des360. I have a podcast, a blog, and apparel line. And the thing that I'm most passionate about though is that I'm a transformational coach who provide women the tools necessary to change their mindset and behavior from black to abundance. I'm a awesome. wife. I'm a mom. <laughs> I'm a Jesus lover, and that's who I am. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Like, I didn't even know all that. So, yeah, yeah. we connected on so many different different levels. Yes. Cool. <laughs> so, tell me about how you came into motherhood. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so my eldest child is 15, and it's so strange for me to say that, but, yes, she's 15 <laughs> years old. I have to sometimes slow down and think because I want to keep her, like, 14. Like, mm-hmm. but I came into motherhood, probably like a lot of other women, unplanned. <laughs> but like I always say, unplanned does not mean unwanted or unloved. Mm-hmm. It just means that I didn't sit down with a calendar and say, you know what? I'm going to have you in January, right in the middle of being a college student <laughs> who was a cheerleader for her university, who had just won wow. this senior and who had defied all the odds already. I'm just going to go ahead and mm-hmm. get started. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be good. This is going to be so good. That's how I came into motherhood. So um, I was, what, 20 years old when I was pregnant with my eldest child. I was a student at Grambling State University, and I had no idea what my life was about to become. I was living in my prime. Cheerleader for the university, as I mentioned, I had just won the coveted title of Miss Senior, a a family that has very high standards. And so all of those things came into play. And then, yeah, I had me a little boo (laughs) on that college campus. Okay. So you have 20, you're 20. You have a, you're in in your prime. Yeah. You find out you're pregnant. And so- Does that change anything? Do you carry on as usual? Does it change? And it changes everything. <laughs> okay. And I made sure I mentioned all the things that I had going on because a lot of times we feel like when we become mothers, we lose everything and you mm-hmm. have to give everything up. Right. So for me in that moment in my 20 year old mind, I literally had to give everything up. So I thought, you know, but I gained mm-hmm. a lot more. So yeah, I was in my prime and I had to denounce my title as Miss Senior. I had to, oh, wow. yeah, you can't be pregnant, represent Grambling on a court. Well, I mean, <laughs> so I'm like, well, could they have, I mean, you know, could they have not known, but okay, you're right. No, I was going to be good and shown by the okay. time. Yeah, because you know, you run the, the, semester pre uh, prior to the actual rain mm-hmm. so by the time the next by the time august would have come girl i would have been good and shown honey but no hiding that yeah so i had to stop step down from being a cheerleader i had to step down from you know being miss senior i had to i was on the step team for my sorority so no more stepping oh wow uh, i had to tell my family 
which is above all those things. I'm not mentioning any of this stuff in any particular order of importance. Mm-hmm. Just kind of throwing it out there. Yeah. I have to, I told my mom by facts. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Let me tell you, I was scared to death. I, I made a cute little card and I just faxed it to her home office. And all day long, when I found out I was pregnant, I just, I didn't know what she was going to say. I just, I didn't know how to tell her verbally. So she called me back. She was like, hey, babe. Hey, baby. It's okay. And I was, just, I just broke down on the phone like, mama. So it was a lot that went along with. I had to face my professors who held me at such high standards. Mm. Friends and peers who looked up to me. You know, because that was almost like a death sentence. Somebody like me. You know what mm. I mean? So let's kind of go back. So you were, because I know you, the, the whole reigning thing is... It's been a minute. So that happened in the fall or in well, no, so the spring? You run in the spring so right. that you rain in the fall. So when did you find out you were pregnant? What? It was spring my junior year. I would have been a senior that spring. I mean, that fall. So you told your mom the same, like the same day you found out, you told your oh, mom? Oh, no, 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 no. I was in denial. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I felt, okay. It was the summer and I don't remember the exact time frame, but I just remember it was summer because... My then boyfriend, we had gone to like this, you know, Greek picnic thing outside. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had eaten some bad food. Oh. Yeah, I thought I had um, food poisoning. Let me tell you, it was the potato salad. It was sitting outside too long. It was hot <laughs> in Louisiana. And yeah, it definitely was the potato salad. So I'm literally throwing up. I am vomiting out of my nose, my mouth. I'm sick as all get out. And it is not breaking. And I'm like, what is going on? Ooh. So I tell him, and he's like, oh, man, we not thinking pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to the ER because that's how sick I was. I was food poisoned. So I went to the ER so they could tell me what to do to get over food poisoning. <laughs> and when I got there, the tech that comes in to do, like, the pre-workup or whatever, he was like, oh, he laughed at me, an older black gentleman. If I ever could find his name and find him again, I would, like, choke him like this. <laughs> but he, he told me then, he was like, oh, baby, it's okay, you're pregnant. And you're just going to have a really hairy baby. That's why you're really sick. And this is just you coming in and then he's just telling you this off the bat. Yeah. And he doesn't know who I am. I told you everything I had going on. So clearly mm-hmm. I'm not pregnant because I'm exempt. Right. <laughs> um, so a few minutes later, they come back in. They're like, let's get a urine sample. Are you pregnant? I'm like, no, definitely not. You know, of course not. <laughs> they come back with results like, yes, you're pregnant. So that wasn't enough. I left there. I was in total disbelief. So I went to the Rustin Clinic Mm -hmm. to get another opinion. And yeah, they told me the same thing. Ooh. And so I didn't trust Rusty Rustin is what I called it. Rusty Rustin girl. I I started giving it a name, honey. Rusty Rustin. (laughs) What they had to say was not good enough. So I went to Shreveport. Oh, wow. You went a whole hour and a half away. Yeah, to get a third opinion. (laughs) And when people told me I was pregnant, I was like, I'm pregnant. So then I came back. This is probably, it took a week to do all of this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I told her dad and he was like excited. And I was looking at him like, dude, yeah, because your life doesn't change. You know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. the initial impact doesn't affect the father. Even if you're in a marital relationship, which whatever Mm -hmm. the relationship status is, the immediate, you know, it doesn't affect the father right away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while he's all excited, I'm crying my eyes out and don't know how to tell anybody. So that's my journey into motherhood. So you're, you're, this is your 
junior, senior, going into your senior year. So yeah. you're at, you're still at school because you're not at home. Yeah, I'm still at school. And so when you go to these three different places to confirm, are you by yeah. yourself? I think he was with, you know what, that's funny because I've never had to just really rethink. Let me think. I think he was with me when I went to Shreveport. And he was with me, was he with me when I first went to the emergency room? I think so. I think he was with me when we went to the emergency room. And okay. I had food poisoning. Because, yes, he was there. Because now, now that I'm thinking about it, when they came in, he was smiling. I was thinking, what the heck are you smiling about? <laughs> like, what is, what, is, what is so exciting about this? When I went to Russ and I went on my own. Okay. And then I think when I went to Shreveport, that's when, and I think he went with me to Shreveport. Yeah. We'll be right back with more of today's episode of the Mahogany Moms podcast. Are you a mom feeling overwhelmed, stressed by your day-to-day task? We have just the thing. Burps, Fibs, and Breakdowns is a journal with filling prompts, checklists to make sure mom is taking care of herself, and tips sprinkled throughout from other mom. This is the perfect journal for moms of one or moms of many. To order our journal today, go to MahoneyMomsPodcast.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's dive back into the show. And so was his, it was his, did he have this grandiose plan? Like we're going to get married. Cause you said he was happy. Was that his? Yes. Plan? Yes. So we didn't end up getting married. We also got okay. divorced. <laughs> okay. But we had a plan, you know, we were going to be together forever. So having mm-hmm. this baby was not an issue. You know what I'm saying? So we just kind of sped things up. We ended up getting pregnant. I was, I mean, getting married. I was, I think six months pregnant. Okay. When we got married. So we flew home. I'm from Chicago originally. My grandfather is a pastor, so we flew home. We got married in my grandfather's church, and it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And then hmm. we got divorced, not even two years later. Okay. We almost made it two years, but, I mean, it didn't, it didn't work out. So so did you go back home? Where were you all? Where were we, you living? We lived in Ruston. We lived in Ruston. We only got married in Chicago. Okay, so you did. You came back to Ruston. You finished out your senior year? Oh, I finished out school. Yeah, I graduated um, cum laude too. So you can do it. it you can oh, yeah. do it. Oh, I came back with a vengeance. It got real personal for me because I didn't want to be a statistic. I came already from the south side of Chicago, already a statistic in so many other different ways that this this interview ain't even about. But so many other ways, I was already a statistic, and I just refused to continue to be another one in that way on a negative side of, of the stats. So I just made a decision that you know what, you know, moving forward. I have so much more that I have to work for. Like I'm carrying a whole baby and now my time is of the essence. I can't be, you know, out here just BSing this thing. So every class I took, I got an A in every course thereafter. Nothing. I ended up taking like 18 and 21. I think one semester I had 24 hours. I had to get approvals from the Dean and academic department head um, to take, cause I just wanted to get finished. Mm -hmm. Of course um, I had to pass. I was an education major. So I had to pass the praxis test and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, so you were doing it. You were motivated. Yeah, I was driven. Yeah, I have a gift that don't quit. I know we've talked since then, so you have some little ones now, right? Yes. So I'm remarried. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm married to DJ Clay, who I mentioned to you earlier. Okay. So we've been knowing each other since college. He's been knowing me since I was 18. Um, so we met at Grambling. 
same situation. He played football. I was a cheerleader. I know it sounds like I'm making this up, <laughs> um, but it, it, I'm not. Um, yeah. So we met through a mutual friend of ours and okay. it started off real casual. Oh, my brother needs his hair braided. Can you braid his hair? And you know, mm. it's a hustle. Like, yeah, I can braid his hair. Where is he? You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yes. So we met, we were outside of Tubman Hall. That was my dorm at the time. It was summer. And it started raining. We were holding, he was holding the umbrella and all this stuff. And he thought I was supposed to know who he was. And he was like, oh, you don't know who I am? I said, you don't know who I am? Like, <laughs> you know. Like what? You know, when you come from Chicago, you have this, uh, this air about you. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know who I am? Yeah. Yes. So. That's kind of how we met. I started braiding his hair. And then that was that. You know, we didn't do much in college. Our lives were totally different at that time. Um, as he'd like to say, he would have messed it up. That's what he says all the time. Those are his words, not mine. <laughs> and I always say, I agree. So it didn't work out <laughs> in college. But circle back, we're together married now. We got married in 2016 in Punta Cana. And we have okay. um, two boys together now. I also have a bonus son. So we have four okay. children total. Wow. Okay. Okay. So So we have a 15 year old. Our son Dylan will be 13 this month. And then we have a two year old and then a seven month old. Woo. You started all (laughs) the way back over. I know. Look, ain't God good? Give you a new beginning, won't he? Woo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what, tell me about the highs and lows of motherhood. What are some, tell me about the, let's go with the lows first. Oh my God, the lows, uh, you know, we can name them off like we do the highs, but you know, you try not to focus so much on them, but they exist. So some of the lows include not being able to protect them from everything. Mm-hmm. You know, as a mom, the first thing you want to do is protect your children from everything, including themselves. Right. And so what I'm learning with my 15 year old is that, yeah, sometimes she just has to crash and burn and then she'll mm-hmm. get, you know, even though I'm like, Hey, look at my experiences. Listen to what I'm telling you. You know, I, you don't have to go through everything yourself. I've gone through a whole lot of that stuff already. Trust me. You don't need to do it, you know, <laughs> and some stuff she's just figuring out. The other thing is some of the lows is, uh, include, you know, about protection again, like the whole bullying thing, you know, mm-hmm. my daughter experienced bullying from an early age, you know, uh, mm-hmm. recently, really, you know, about she's really uh, has a really athletic build. Okay. Body, body goals is what I call her because her arms, mm-hmm. are like, she fine. I mean, you know, I'm like, girl, <laughs> girl I need to get, get back now. How you make your mother look bad around <laughs> But she's an athlete and always have been. She came out with muscles in her arms. Like her baby pictures, people are like, why does this baby have muscles? <laughs> so she's been like that her entire life. Um, and so she would get teased by boys. I'm like, they're haters. You're stronger than they are. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. She's natural. and She's learned to love her puff. And so that's why oftentimes you'll see me with my puff, you know, to show her reflection of who she is through me. Wow. You know? And so, yeah, those are some of the lows. Not being able to protect them. Not being able to give them everything they want. You know, mm-hmm. you want to give them everything. But the truth of the matter is sometimes it's out of reach. And then also sometimes it's not good for them, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to not give them everything that they want because, you know, then what do they have to look forward to? Some of the lows that I, I already can anticipate is having to experience heartbreak from them all, both through, going through life transitions. When I think about me and my mom's relationship and how she's watched me go through so many transitions. Now that I'm a mom, I just told my heart breaks for her because I know that some things I do, she couldn't do anything about. And so I know there's going to come a time when, again, there's going to be some things I can't do anything about, you know, but pray, of course. And then you go on to the highs, right? 
So some of the highs is being able to look at them and see the promise that they have before them. You know, mm-hmm. when I look at my seven month old, he just started sitting up and he's rolling over literally everywhere. He just loves rolling. He just rolls every <laughs> which direction. He just loves to roll. And it just brightens my day because he's like, yeah, mommy, I got this. And he's exchanging things from hand to hand, you know, like, mommy, I've got it. Like, I got this rap. I can do it, you know. And it's so cute to see him interact with his his two-year-old brother, um, you know, and their interaction. So just being able to see the innocence in them, you know. Yes, pure mm-hmm. innocence. They don't know anything about the coronavirus. They don't care about that. <laughs> right. They don't care about, you know, if mommy is stressed out, if daddy is stressed out, if sister is stressed out from cheer, because that's her life right now. <laughs> you know, they don't care if, you know, life is happening. They just, they're pure joy, pure innocence, and pure love with um, no strings attached. That's so awesome. I want to go back to, you talked about bullying, because there are so many moms who are worried, either worried or their kids are going through bullying. How have you managed to deal with that? Because you said she's been dealing with it for a while. How have you managed that? Because a lot of times you hear um, people say, well, just change their schools or just do this or just do that. So how have you managed? How have you helped her to manage and how have you managed? Yeah, for me, it's prayer because I'm from the South Side and I'd be ready to go hurt somebody. (laughs) Let me just be honest. Can I be honest in this space? Yes. Okay, good. Because that's that's the first reaction that you have. You get ticked off because mm-hmm. somebody's messing with your child, you know, and nobody deserves to be picked on for any reason at all. Right. Um, and I'm a former educator. So I know that students are cruel. Kids can be mm-hmm. really cruel, especially in a school system um, and in a classroom type environment or school environment, kids can be really cruel. And so the earliest memory I have of her being um, bullied is um, I think she was in like first grade and she was on a playground mm-hmm. and this um, Caucasian kid would tease her and tell her that, she was dirty and that uh, she wore the same clothes every day and that wow. her hair was uh, ugly and all kinds of stuff. The funny thing is they wore school uniforms. So I'm confused about mm-hmm. the same clothes every day because everybody here could possibly have on the same clothes every day, which she didn't. My baby was very stylish. She had on her little scarves and things like that. <laughs> she wasn't wearing the same clothes every day. She was natural and she was probably one of the first little black girls in our community where we live. That looked like she was, you know, and so he didn't know how to handle that. And she she came home crying. And I can remember emailing her principal, who was an African-American principal mm-hmm. at a white school in the community. And, you know, I went in real good in that email over Christmas break. And before the email could hit send really quickly, she had already responded. And okay. so the thing that helped me was that I had the support of the school administration administration. Because it is challenging when you're at a school that is not supportive and does not have zero bullying policy. Um, our school did. And so she right away got involved and, you know, contacted the child's parent, had to sit down with them as well. Okay. And for Carrington in particular, it was really rough for her because she, you know, she had just come from, we had just moved here from Chicago. And she went to a school in the High Park area where it was very affluent, mixed, mm-hmm. you know, like a big melting pot. One of her closest friends at the time was like a little Indian girl in a, I think a Mexican girl and then she had a little white friend. Like they were looking, when you look at them, it looked like something from a coloring book, mm-hmm. you know, like all these, you know, multicultural kids. And so she didn't understand colorism because mm-hmm. that's not anything that I taught her, you know? And so I had to start having a conversation to let her know that everyone isn't, you know, raised the way that we are. So I kind of, I had to start grooming her a little early and she still went through the phase of identity crisis, which all kids do. 
but I had to take extra special care because that experience was ingrained. And so when it happened again, it was a trigger. Mm -hmm. So every time it happens, it's another trigger. So for me, I just have to continue to keep the space open where she talks to me because Mm -hmm. at that time she was um, in karate in a yellow black stripe. So she really could have hurt the kid, you know, but she exercised restraint. Cause yeah, mm. even you know, like she's like mom, you know. Oh, so they had taken it to another whole another level. Yeah, he was really tormenting her, you know, emotionally. Mm. And so if she wasn't wrapped too tight, or if she was pressed too much, because even if you're wrapped too tight and you're a calm kid, if someone's pressing you, you're gonna respond. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just thank God that I didn't raise her to be like I was, because it wouldn't have been the same. <laughs> the story would have been a little different. So. Mm-hmm. For me, I just always affirm her. So I've been giving her affirmations ever since then. So she has an affirmation wall to this day. Now okay. the only difference is I make her write her own affirmations. Then I will give her affirmations um, that she would have to say over and over just to add value to herself. So when she would come to me and tell me what somebody else say, I would say, but what do you say? What does God do? You know, so it's just kind of been proactive Active. instead of reactive to what happens because kids are going to say stuff. Right. So that's really good. And so uh, I hope that there are some moms who hear this and take some of those same tips or coping strategies that you use, because it is a constant thing that I see constantly ask, like, okay, what do I do? You know, this is every day. And for you, you were blessed that your administrators were on board because there's so many parents that I hear that the administration is, you know, not helping or the, the child is telling the teacher and there's nothing being done. So yeah, that was a true blessing that the school administration was was on board and on top of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been on both sides of it. Again, I'm a former educator for almost 10 years in, you know, Houston, Chicago, as well as in Louisiana. And so for me, I know what it's also like for a child, you know, not to be heard, you know, inside of the classroom. I can remember an instance where a child was telling me they were being bullied and I didn't believe them initially mm-hmm. because this child was always doing the bullying. What turns mm-hmm. out so, well, that's probably part of the reasoning, you know, so I had to actually stop and listen. I think it only happened like once before the kid came to me and I didn't believe him. And then he came back and I was like, okay, it has to be some truth to this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I did get the parents involved, but <clears throat> there's been times where kids go home and the kids sometimes don't tell the, the staff. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. And the teacher doesn't see everything. And so I always tell parents, make sure you get the full story first before we just pop a it. Because right. a, a, a teacher, you know, has a whole lot going on and there's sometimes 20 plus kids in a classroom and they cannot see people, you know, the kids do every little thing. They're going to miss something. They're human too. And so in that you want to give them the courtesy to say, Hey, what's going on? Give me your side of the story. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if you need to then take, you know, matters into your own hand, go up to the school yourself with your child in tow to the principal and wait to see an administrator. And if they can't be seen, then you go see a superintendent. I bet you they, they get some attention. Mm-hmm. To so it's always a way to solve your issue within the school system. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. So like moving on to the highs, I think you said like your babies, they don't know that it's the coronavirus. And sometimes like with my own kids, I'm like, man, I wish I could go back to like not knowing. Like the innocent. Not knowing. Yeah. Yes. Because it's a lot. It's a lot going on lot. in these streets. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot out here. Yeah. Yes. So um, I think, you know, sometimes we as moms, you get so caught up in like the things that you have to do that you you forget about that. You forget to like look through things, look at things through their eyes and just kind of be present with them. So I think that was, you know, that was good that you said, you know, their innocence and like how you talked about your, you know, your baby changing and how um, he's transitioning and you're you're there, you're present, you're watching him. Yeah. And I think that's a good reminder. 
I'm, I'm being extra careful to do that though with this child because this is my our last child mm. and so i think i've missed so many of those types of moments with my other children because i was so busy going and moving and because i st study you know child development and things like that kind of already know what's going to happen oh this is normal mm -hmm. that's next, you know oh this is normal oh yeah that's whatever and so this time I take, he gets so much of my attention in that way because I'm like, this is the last, this, he's the, he's, he's my last first. The last time, uh, you know, I'll see a first crawl. I'll see mm -hmm. him getting up, you know, he'll have his first two. This is the last time for all the first. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I made sure to note that. So I'm saying that to say, moms don't miss out on the first, even if it's not the last, <laughs> you know, you don't want to yes. miss that moment. Yeah. And so what do you wish someone would have told you before becoming a mom? Or what do you wish you would have known now, I guess, in hindsight? I wish I would have known that it doesn't require perfection. Mm, that's good. I wish I would have known that I just have to show up as my best self every day. That's good. Whatever that is every day. Because mm -hmm. that changes, right? So right. Like, like right now I'm operating at 70%, right? But mm -hmm. this is my best self. And all of my kids are okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're okay. They don't, they don't know that I'm at 70%. They right. just want to be present. And I wish I had known that the time flies by so quickly. Like my yes. daughter's 16. <laughs> I'm still like, we're talking about sweet 16 already. She's been talking about it since she was 14. So it's good to like embrace, you know, the time. I think about that all the time. I remember when my when my oldest was young, like a baby. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like the stage, like, oh, and yeah. now I'm like, okay, I want time to slow down. You know? Yeah. How old is he? He's eight. Cause even my two year olds, he, he's so smart. I just look at him and every day is something new every day. This kid is like, and I'm just like this, this boy is a mess. Like <laughs> he has so many personalities. I have, you know, we call him chase cam, but when he acts a certain way, I just call him by his middle. I'm like, Cameron, you know, you're just <laughs> you're showing out now, you know, and so it's just like man. So I can I can't even see him as eight when you just said that I literally projected. I'm like, no, come back because mm -hmm. we want him to we want him so that we can have the versatility to do what we want to do and move around mm -hmm. here, you know, that kind of thing. And then you miss the moment. Yes. So, so you have the beauty of having. So I have. um two boys but you have a daughter and you have sons so what yeah. is that like parenting like the different sexes oh my god it's so different so <laughs> already my son is my sons are just different okay so let me start with my daughter because she is a girly girl she's a girl's girl okay like, she just finished polishing her nails just a minute ago okay <laughs> like that's what she was doing on her spring break polishing nails like where are you going it's spring break she has to make her nails and her mani and pedi is done like, okay. So that's what she's worried about. She's worried about the school day. I mean, her uh, cheer banquet and track mm -hmm. We're looking at clothes and playing dress up. And she's worried about makeup and just watching her, you know, and making sure that I give her everything that I did have and making mm -hmm. sure that I create her to be a whole person so that, you know, when she goes out into the world, she doesn't have to. And this is my saying for all my children. Mm -hmm. Unisex right here. This is the same. I don't want to raise children that have to heal from their childhood mm -hmm. That's because good. I'm still healing from mine. And I mm -hmm. just don't want them to have to, you know, go backwards to go ahead. Like I just want them to be able to go out and thrive. Right. Mm -hmm. And So for her, it's important that she is really certain about who she is because mm -hmm. the world sends mixed messages with the Cardi B's and the Nicki Minaj's, you yes. know, 
it sends so many messages that it can literally have them confused about who she is. It will have her confused as a woman, as an African-American woman, you know, who's mm-hmm. strong. She's very determined. Let me tell you, when she gets her mind fixed on something, it's going to take hell and hot water to break it down, you know. And my husband is always like, yeah, I wonder where she gets it from. I'm like, well, well guess what? You know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So just her being strong and being able to, you know, be strong enough to sit by herself and take care of herself. But one of the things that I think that I wasn't necessarily taught taught was to be feminine enough to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that is missing from a lot of uh, yeah. women. Yeah. Uh, you know, repertoire. Yeah. yeah. Because like, and I, that's, that's a new um, an epiphany just here recently. Like literally mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, that's what I'm missing because the way I grew up, we had to be strong and tough, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. if we were, you know, I'm dodging drive-by shootings, you know, the dope boy, you know, it's real life was happening where I grew up at. So you had no choice but to grow up and be strong. And so your life became a reflective of that. And then when you have strong women in your life too, you know, it's not too often that they allow you to see that, that feminine part of themselves where right. it's okay to be sensual and it's okay to be loved and to be taken mm-hmm. care of and to not be doing like, it's okay to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay and not feel guilty about it. Like I yes. have guilt when I'm doing nothing. I've been sick all week, and let me tell you, I tormented myself in the bed, and then the epiphany hit me. That's when I got mm-hmm. this. Okay, I kid you not. It was literally this week, and I was just like, "Yeah, all right." So that's the girl child thing, right? And okay, these, these little boys, <laughs> active is all get out. Like yes. my daughter's even like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" I hope Car- Carter's the baby. We call him King David. Carter David is his name. So, oh my God, I hope Carter Diaz stays laid back. I said, he's seven <laughs> months. He's not going to stay. Chase was laid mm-hmm. back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to, he's just revving up. And when he gets hooked up with his brother, it's going to be on and popping around here. Yes. Chase is everywhere all the time. And it's mm-hmm. so funny because she's been helping out since I've been sick. And so she put him down for his nap and he, he naps really well. So he napped for like two hours and he got up off the chain, right? <laughs> he was ready. He ready. Like he's really ready now. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, it's time for your nap. I said, <laughs> I said, are you going to just make all your kids? Cause she wants four children. I said, oh. you're going to make your kids nap? She was like, yeah. And they, and they <laughs> acting like this. <laughs> so she's been having a real big aha moment herself. Like, mm-hmm. I said, these are just for one, he's two. So that's just a personality of a two year old, but then he's a boy. Mm-hmm. So she's like, stop climbing. Why are you climbing all over the couches? Just keep <laughs> climbing. Stop it. He's climbing up the stairs. He's jumping off of things. And even for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, oh my God, get him. Get oh Lord, please, Jesus. I'm about to die. Like, and my husband's like, Suge, he's okay. He's okay, you know? And I'm like, okay, somebody needs to just get him because my nerves are bad, child. He's gonna hurt himself. So yeah, totally different. Um, my sons are very gentle and kind. They're very sweet and loving. Like Chase is very gentleman. Like he holds the door for me already. All those things I attribute to my husband. Ah. You know, we have, we're raising nothing but kings and gentlemen around here. So, um, you know, he holds the door. He checks on me. You okay, mommy? You good? You good? (laughs) That's cute. So I'm like, yeah, mommy's good. Okay, mommy. Bye-bye. You know, so he's already, you know, so we're teaching all of them to, to always show up as the best version of themselves. And, you know, so that when they get husbands and wives, they can add value. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So you, you start with the end in mind. 
Yeah, you have to because otherwise, you know, it's and I, I'm a I'm a big proponent of therapy. I love therapy actually, but we don't want to have to go to therapy for a bunch of issues. We want to go yes. for maintenance. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I like what you said too. Like you don't want your kids to have childhood issues. You want them to, you know, be able to go forward and not backwards. And so that's good too. That's really good. I think yeah, like if if more moms, you know, kind of thought about, you know, starting with the end in mind, like where do you want your child to be? Not so much being where they are right now because they're going to get to be adults. And what kind of adult child do you want to have? Yeah, because guess what? You can't live in my house forever. Right. <laughs> and I'm not about to be getting calls from your husband or your wife constantly complaining about you because mm-hmm. then that's a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I always say is I'm going to give you everything that I have in order to be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. That what you do after that is totally on you. Yep. But you would never be able to look back and say, oh, my mom neglected me. Or she didn't give me attention or, you know, oh, she had men running in and out the house or mm-hmm. like when my uh, my uh, ex-husband and I divorced, my daughter never saw me with another man until my husband. Mm-hmm. Like She lost it. We had to go to therapy for that, honey. That was trauma for her. Mm-hmm. She, she said she just wanted it to be she and I. I said, man, <laughs> uh, no, not happening. So yeah, but no, so that, you know, cause I didn't want to give her that, but when you live the life of trauma, like I have, mm-hmm. you know, it's my hope that more people become more aware that you don't have to perpetuate the, the trauma, you yes. know, it has to stop somewhere. And it's challenging, you know, every day not to fall back into some habit of form of uh, some form or another, but mm-hmm. you know, make it an extra effort every day every day it's like okay you know how am i responding how am i showing up because then what happens is she'll grow up and parent her children the same way yep that's how that happens yeah and so what is it do you think that mothering is different as an african-american mom you know i'm not sure because i've never been another um culture mom (laughs) but i can imagine (laughs) (laughs) I didn't turn into a little uh, Caucasian mom, a Hispanic mom overnight, but (laughs) I can imagine, no, I'm joking. I can imagine that we, I think we do parent differently as African-American moms. And that's because, you know, again, going back to what we mentioned earlier, we're taught from our moms and aunts to be these strong black women, to be able to be independent, Mm -hmm. to be independent thinkers and independent doers, to be Mm -hmm. self-sufficient and all-knowing, honey, and, you know, love Jesus. And, you know, yes. drink your coffee and, and be great, honey. Put your moisturizer in your hair and put on earrings <laughs> and clean underwear before you leave the house. Like, we're taught mm-hmm. all those things. You know what I'm saying? And so we grow up and we do those things. Whereas, and you can always kind of find a commonality among all of us. It doesn't, like how we're, I've never met you before ever. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's always a connection when we get together as African-American moms and women in general. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, girl, yeah, I, my mom said the same, or my aunt said that, you know, it's always yes. that common theme. And so I don't know, I can't really speak from experience, but I think that when we engage with other moms of other nationalities, they're always impressed. Like we're doing something that's mm-hmm. never been done before. And we're like, these are trade secrets. <laughs> we do this all day, every day. <laughs> this is what, this is how we run our shop, you know? Yes. And they're like, oh my God, could you, you know, you need to blog about it. And I'm like, okay. You know, that kind of thing. So I think it's a little different based upon um, circumstantial things. You know, our environment yes. make us create certain beings, our mm-hmm. children, based upon our circumstances. And sometimes fear of circumstance. Like for me, 
a lot of what drives me is I don't want my kids to do what you have to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a driver first. So it's circumstantial, but it's not their circumstance. And I don't want it to be their circumstance. So, yeah. That's good. Okay. So yeah. you are a blogger and a podcaster. Yeah. So how does that, how do you deal with being an entrepreneur and a mom? How does that work together? Yeah, it just works. Let me tell you, it's <laughs> like that. you know, you just show up every day, you do it. So um, again, I was a former educator. And so I thought I was going to be teaching. I never thought I was going to ever be an entrepreneur in the sense that I am now. My oh. master's in counseling. Yeah, I, this wasn't, I, I wasn't a planned entrepreneur like the millennials now. Like, mm-hmm. they refused to get a job. Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> no, okay. I, I graduated from Grambling and Grambling hired me. <laughs> and that's ah. why I, I worked at the lab school. So that's okay. why I started my teaching career. Immediately, I graduated July 2007. And I started teaching August 2007. Um, okay. So I was in Ruston, Grambling area, almost 10 years total between school and work. Mm. And then I relocated back to Chicago. I was there for two years. I taught for Chicago public schools. And then I wasn't feeling home at all. So I came back to Houston because it was kind of a hmm, kind of utopia between the two of Ruston. It wasn't as slow, but wasn't as fast as Chicago. So mm-hmm. Houston gave me a good mix. And so, and I taught here for, I think, two or three years and I got burnt out. It was like, uh, it was too mm. much. The systems were changing. The the politics, they wanted us to teach from scripts, all that kind of stuff. And I just wasn't for it because I was teaching kids that look like me, brown mm-hmm. kids. And I'm like, I'm not going to be teaching it from a script and I know they don't have it. Like, right. you want me to keep going forward? They don't have what I taught two weeks ago. Like, no. Mm-hmm. And so my, my husband, then fiance, was like, just quit your job. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, and who's going to take care of me? He's like, I got you. And I was like, yeah, buddy, we're not married yet. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they're going to get that mentality, you know, I'm, Strong black woman, you always have yes. your own money bag, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so I was like, Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to this job every day <laughs> and teach these little babies, honey. And so it got really bad right before Christmas, the year that I quit, and I resigned and okay. I had to get back. So I finished my book the first year that I um was not employed. I wrote my published my first book, Beautiful Like a Flower. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so from that I was like, I can't go back. It was like only for momentum. And then I got a call from the CEO of MC Lights Company, Hip Hop Sisters Foundation and Sunny Girl Inc. And long story short, I started working for them. I still do. Um, okay. I oversee MC Lights um, nonprofit organization, Hip Hop Sisters Foundation. So that's how I kind of started this journey to entrepreneurship. So I started there and it just kept coming, it kept coming. And then I said, you know what? It's time for me to... Well, I didn't say it was time. God said, because <laughs> for mm-hmm. me, I'm good. God was like, no, it's time. And I was like, no, I'm good. And he was like, no, it's definitely time. I'm like, no, I'm definitely good. <laughs> and so he was like, yeah. I was like, okay, you're right. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so then I launched my brand, my birthday and Mother's Day last year. My birthday's May 12th, so it falls on Mother's Day sometime. Okay. Um, so my gift to myself was the launch of my podcast and my brand, Dance 360. And my podcast is Dance 360 Wisdom and Wit for Women. I love it. So that's kind of the journey. And then, so I'm actually preparing for, you know, some new and exciting things as a transformational coach, just trying to, you know, help people shift. Okay. Yeah. Shifting. That, that is, that is happening everywhere. I I hear that word so often in 2020. Shift. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's happening, but it's only happening if you're doing something. Yes. Yeah. And that's the piece that people miss. Yeah, they do. (laughs) 
Yeah, I went live. I go live on Tuesdays. I do transformational tips every Tuesday live on my page. And last night, because I wasn't feeling well, my husband held me accountable. He was like, get up. You know, basically, who cares that mm. you don't feel well? And I was like a little feeling some kind of way because I was like, you can go live for me. Hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here fighting flu symptoms like it was bad. I'm like, dude, I'm at 40 percent. You talking about go live. The tip is to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, you know, and I had a conversation with myself and I prayed about it. And it was like, look, I've been around celebrities for the last four or five years. And I know when they're sick, you know, the ones that's up on me and you never, the people don't know who cares. Mm-hmm. They don't care if they're sick. So I had to take on that same mindset. It's like, you know what, if I'm going to be everything that I'm called to be, then it, I have to always show up. Mm-hmm. So I showed up and my tip was, cause I didn't even, I hadn't even prepared anything, but I'm full of tips. So I just went live. <laughs> I'm a tip in myself, girl. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> so I'm full of tips. And the tip was, you know, don't be a consumer. You know, are you a consumer was the, the title. And it's like mm. we all of this information. We consume, we go to workshops and we go to, you know, listen to podcasts and we go to all these three-day weekends and four-day getaways to learn mm. all this stuff. We go to workshops with no work. We do all this stuff. We consume it all. And then we mm-hmm. never, you know, even the Bible tells us to be, Hearers and doers. doers yeah. So, you know, stop consuming and just do something. Yeah. That was a good tip. That was a tip. There it is. It's right there. <laughs> and so tell the people how they can get to you, how they can find you. Oh my God. I'm everywhere at Dez360 and it's spelled out D E Z T H R E E S I X T Y. Always spelled out. And it's www.dez360.com. And so I'm so excited about everything that I have coming for you. That's how you find me. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.